and welcome to Gamers Table, a podcast discussion of tabletop role-playing games, war games, movies, books, and various other related topics. Be warned, this show contains explicit material that may not be suitable for all audiences. Hello and welcome to Gamers Table. My name is Eric. This is Mike. This is Dan. This is Mark. This is Deuce. This is Jason. We're on episode three now. Uh, yay. T- yay. Today's... Seems uh, like only last week we recorded episode two. Right. This week I'd like to talk about adventures. I mean, we've all played different campaigns, whatnot. I am pro-adventure. I'd just like to go on the record that I am pro-adventure. Actually, oh. adventure is kind of a game-centric word because it's... Do you do Shadowrun Adventures? No, not really. You do Shadowrun Missions. The point is, pre-written ones that you buy book adventures versus homemade, tailor-made ones, things like that. I kind of like homemade adventures. Mike has ran a lot of homemade adventures, and those are always good, usually. Maybe not All homemade. right. When you think of homemade adventures, what does that mean to you? Mike brewing up some crap that's going to haunt you two years from now. Well, I mean, you could do that with a book. How many, Mike, how many book adventures have you run that you have incorporated into your own campaign? I mean, could you even count that many? Homemade ventures versus adventures that I ran straight out of the book. I'd have to say I try to keep it a split. And okay. then the ones that I don't run straight out of the book, I cannibalize into right, the homemade right, adventures. Right. Okay. And, and a lot of game masters that I've read their stuff... They talk about they do cannibalize a lot of things that they use or they'll buy a whole book for a certain section of it and never use any of the other stuff. I guess the uh, pre-written adventures, the biggest case of those would be adventure paths. Yeah, you do. I I think there's a clear division between editions. Before, adventures were standalone. Maybe you'll get a level or two out of it. Mm -hmm. Now the push is for career arcs potentially one to ten maybe even one to twenty there's a big right. difference there well all right, i so. think that's why a lot of gms are going the cannibalize route right because they don't want to back themselves into that kind of a corner mm-hmm. you know to run a full 20 level campaign right I, I don't like i mean i enjoyed the the first adventure path we did the age of worms that was good but the, the only thing i didn't like about it was i had all these ideas for my character that I wanted to, that Mike would normally have incorporated into something that he wrote himself. Well, yeah, that's would have had more opportunities to do that. But when you're when you're doing something that's written page to page, you got to do this and th- do this and do that. You're not so much you know, role playing as following right. a script, right? Or at least yeah. a script outline. It's like you've got no real ways to take something and run with it, or just ignore something because you think it's lame. Right. Hey, yeah. just to clarify, Age of Worms. Age. Oh, Age of Worms. That's a was that a dragon story? Go ahead, arc? Mike. You do that. Age of Worms was published in Dungeon Magazine. It's tentatively you mean on set... dead, dead trees? Correct. Wow. On paper, tentatively it was set in Greyhawk. That was done by Paizo Publishing, who now do the Pathfinder setting. We've gone from don't mention any names to shameless plug. No, 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 uh, no, no. <laughs> it's all on topic. It's game related. It's game related. Right. And I also said in the first episode that uh, whatever, if we do mention something that we endorse, we will link to it. Yeah, th- that'll be in the show notes. Think about this: when you think about pre-written adventures, what do you think about? Because the first thing that pops in my mind: Tomb of Horrors. So it's obviously classic. Sure. Okay. Yeah, well, th- I think there, there's a reoccurring theme. It is old one, but it's old. But it's also, I think, with the Tomb of Horrors or an adventure like the Tomb of Horrors, you can tweak it a little bit and you can jam it into your campaign, whatever campaign setting you're playing, and you can make it, you know, your own. Here's an example. What was the last Greyhawk campaign we ran? The last Greyhawk campaign Castle we ran Greyhawk. was the expedition to the ruins of Greyhawk. 
Right. 3.5. And that was a rehash of an old adventure, right? Correct. Which one was better? The old one. Yeah, exactly. Well, wait a minute, which old one? The second edition, Correct. Greyhawk Ruins. Okay, I just wanted you to be specific. Well, there was, a, there was like a comical Castle Greyhawk adventure. I don't think that was Gary Gygax's idea, though. No. I think but, they were digging on him. Right. I think the difference is the, the original wasn't the gigantic story arc that the new one is. You know. Well, mo- yeah, most adventures People were just kind of one-offs. On. I don't know. I, I think the expedition, we never really didn't, we didn't really get into it very well. It's, I mean, we had no idea. We going exactly in there and getting all up and going back to town and then having to come back. Well, in the old adventures, you would spike a door and, you know, rest in a room and sleep down in the dungeon. Well, right. if I remember correctly, they intended for you to go back to town because that's what the dwarves were there for paying. The, so you had to pay the taxes, right? We should have just kill right. those. So, yeah. all right. So that uh, the old school adventures, they had their charm. I remember going to the bookstore and seeing like six or seven adventures up on the shelf. Nowadays, you don't see any. We can go into whole, on a whole tangent on how there's no more actual brick-and-mortar game stores anymore, except for maybe one or two that I know of. Nowadays, of course, with modern technology, you can download all kinds of adventures off the Internet. You can go to Wizard's site or whatever and, and download adventures. Right. Well, but, that's the thing. They're going to subscription-based. I think Pathfinder does the same thing. Am I right, Deuce? That's their big thing is they have those weekly adventures or bi-weekly adventures, whatever it is. Yeah, you can buy them one-off. Yeah. Which do you prefer? Because, I mean, you do you ever run anything not book? Mm, for the most part, no. Right. And is, is that because of convenience? I mean, do you not want to? Or is it something where you just don't have time? I, I don't want to spend the time on it. Normally, it just depends. What kind of group are you running with? Are you running with a hack and slash group? Yeah. So is, book is adventures Mark, are perfect for that. Is Mark playing with you? <laughs> is Scott playing with you? Yeah. Ooh, Mark and Scott have just been lumped in one. Ooh, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing. <laughs> Frankly, I wasn't invited. It is a time issue. A uh, completely 100% originally written adventure or campaign takes more time. Game Master might have a greater sense of uh, control over the plot. You can adjust on the fly because you're not having to run it straight as written in a book. That's why I prefer homemade campaigns because it allows the characters to deviate from a path. It allows you to make mistakes It allows you to do something different than what some writer, God only knows where, has said that you need to do to reach the end of their story. But a creative DM, such such as Michael Thorne. Ass smooch number one. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus XP, still at zero. I would like to point that out. (laughs) Sandbox campaigns, where you can have a pre-written adventure that you're able to have the homebrew feel. Uh, one of the examples is uh, we did recently was Keep on the Borderlands, where there is an established pre-written adventure point. Is that the one we did as uh, True 20? Correct. But as it's sandbox, you're supposed to be able to do whatever you want, go wherever you want on a uh, small localized map. And well, then you always get the douchebag who wants to go beyond the map. You know, That's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, the, the listeners can't hear you raising your hands. <laughs> uh, so that's just to illustrate there is kind of a middle ground there. That some campaigns are open rather than linear. Well, I mean, why have a map if you can't go off it, man? So that, well, that well would, the world is be a, it's a Truman okay. Show. You know, the world ends at a certain point. <laughs> right. When I look at the two, I think that I would prefer to be involved in homemade stuff because I think that a game master knows, especially if they've been together like we have for a long time, 
you know what the players like and what they expect, and you can kind of tailor make everything directly towards them Definitely, or, or, yeah. or what you're trying to do. Book adventures don't really let you do that, but we're all grown ups. We have we have to do book adventures are convenient. And yeah, well, yeah. and also I think the system that you're using. Some systems are better suited. Like Shadowrun is a great book adventure system. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, totally I would agree. agree with that. You have a night. You have a yeah, mission. Yeah. It's every time, every time Eric runs us in something that he's making up on the fly, we, we all, all die. die. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That is true. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> true. true. Burden of proof yes. is on the GM. But some of our best Shadowrun experiences were totally on the fly. I would agree. With oh that. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, half the time, you know. Uh, the run was over. I was done with the book, and that's where we'd spend, we'd spend six game. hours of additional play going to uh, uh, <laughs> Dante's Whoa. Dante's Inferno. Careful there, Eric. <laughs> not, not Pink Panty Granny. Pink Panty Granny. Thing. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> you don't go. Ben knows where I was going. <laughs> I know exactly where he was going. Yeah. Nuke Burger. Nuke Burger. Nuke Burger. I mean, and and that's that was the charm of the game when we could do all night games and like that where. You know, we would run a four-hour game session of a book adventure and then spend the rest of the night... Tweaking our cars. Tweaking the cars. Tweaking the cars. I I once ran uh, an entire campaign based on the fact that the Shadowrunners were also in a band. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Well, it it helps, too. Like in Mike's case, he's got a job that... I know what you're trying to... He has time to do things like that. He has time to do things. And you know what? I had a job like that, too, and I did some of the best writing of adventures and stuff. Because when you have a job where it allows you to do things like that, it's nice to be able to be at work and do something that you really love to do. Just have a notebook in your pocket. That that's you also assuming you don't do what jot you down some really notes. Love and to do. What? <laughs> What'd you say? I said that's assuming that you're you're not working in something that you really love to do, but most people don't. No, people work to enjoy their time away from work. Uh, yeah, it was like working in both insurance and real estate. Can you imagine two more boring jobs? And I do both. I I, pit, I pity you, sir. So do I. I, pity I don't pity Deuce, though. No, no, no one does. Because the government throws money at Deuce for some reason. And I have an intern. And he has an intern. <laughs> <laughs> and he got a penthouse at uh, Gen Con last year. For free. Last I heard it here. For free. Well, when was the last time you went to Gen Con? <laughs> I went there last year. He was Did there you go last year? year? Yeah. yeah. Remember, he, I was, ran into him on the sky bridge. Turned up. Uh, yeah. And if I remember correctly, he also said that he had to leave because they were going out for lobster dinner. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. You had lobster the one year. I don't think you went that year. Then. You had lobster that year. What? I didn't have no lobster. I, I, had, had, I had raw oysters. Okay. That's that's gross. No. I Well, I mean, I think the general consensus here is that uh, there is no general consensus. There's a time and a place, but I, I, think, I think most I think people game type, prefer. Game type does. Yeah. B- does. Kind of category, kind of fall into that a little bit. But I think most of the time we're gonna we're gonna prefer a homemade campaign. It's more personal. That's you know? all right. Well, that's also and, and we have the luxury of having people who really care about their games and will come up with yeah. Things. New well, new now, players don't have those kind of. I think adventures, pre-made adventures, are, are for maybe the younger crowd or a new crowd who doesn't necessarily have a GM. Like I remember first getting started, GM duties would rotate. Yeah, you know because. Yeah. Nobody had fallen into that niche yet. Well, you guys tend to role play a lot more than uh, if you're given the opportunity and the scenario is appropriate, you will actually role play. Oh well, yeah. But instead of like some groups will just uh, you know hack and slash and be like, okay, that's one encounter. Right. And then right. they'll give fast me the description forward. between the next right. encounter because we're going to go fight well, again. It's easy to fall into that rut. It really is. I was running a, a fourth edition campaign. It was the first time I'd ever tried to run fourth edition. It's the first time we ever played the game so i wanted to make sure that i had the rules down the easiest thing to do is to run 
book adventures when you don't know the game. And because it's, it lays out a lot of the stats for you right there in your face. It got to the point where it felt like we were bouncing from encounter to encounter to encounter. Pretty and much. after about two months of this, because we play weekly, I got to the point where it's like, I'm not even having any fun. What game is this? Fourth edition. Fourth edition. No, oh, I haven't played. Fourth edition D&D. Right. Right, fourth edition D&D. And yes, you have played, because you played the... I did? Yes. yes, you showed up and you played... You are a hobbit. This this is a reoccurring theme. We will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I haven't played often enough right. to recall having played it. No, I know well, I played it at Gen Con, but it was a couple of singular nights where you showed up. If you look at an old school adventure, and I was looking at uh, not that I was looking at the details of the of the adventure, I was just kind of looking at the block of text that of the adventure that you were. What was that? Salt Marsh. Yep. I didn't see any of the plot or anything. I was just kind of glancing. It's all text. It doesn't break it down into pretty colors and, and all the stuff like the modern ones do. Yes, yeah, so that was the uh, the most fun half of a module I ever ran. That's one of the things that has kept me away from Like Anytime I run, I, I don't run book adventures. I I may use material from a book adventure and incorporate that into whatever I'm running. All of 5R, I, I did that. I used that was going on in that particular edition because there was a timeline that went along when it was based on a card game. Uh, hey, the card game was actually <laughs> one of the few good card games out there. Card game's still out there. It's and still it's a still, card game. And it's still doing as well as it I'm always I'm sure happened. by now they've ruined it. They no, can't keep they've, up. They can't they've keep complete, it up they've, um, L5R has split. The, the role-playing game has split with the card game because it used to be tied together, and now it's not. Yeah, you got that's all the fluff from the yeah. cards. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, the characters that were cards in the game were NPCs in the RPG. Right. And I would use those characters. Yeah. You know, that's actually not a bad thing to do. I mean, if you're you're hurting for a NPC and you, the game's tied to a card game or even hell you can even do that with D&D and Magic if you wanted to. There's characters in Magic that you'd be like, "Oh, okay, that would make a good D&D character. I could use that." Older editions seem to be more conducive to role-playing than it was to just bouncing from encounter to encounter. I, well, I think that that's because there were a lot less rules to work with back then. Well, that's true. You you can see well, exponentially the the amount of rules that have been put into the game since first edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally reaches some sort of an apex, and then and then they have then they reboot. Yeah, yeah. Like which which brings it up to a point: if everybody bought more book adventures, the companies would spend less time putting out source books that ruin their system. And maybe yeah. we maybe we could stretch some of these these systems out a little bit longer. Yeah. We could be playing three point five still had people bought adventures. And they didn't source book it to death. I think Wizards uh, outsourced adventure writing for a large part to these third-party companies who make uh, where where faux. writing was optional. It was not a requirement. well. There were some really good ones though, man. I mean, some of them were were pretty sketchy, but like, I mean, most of the Paizo stuff I like. Whenever they right. took over Dungeon Magazine, was when uh, some of their their stuff was really good. I, did you ever use any of that stuff, Mike? Once in a while. Yeah, I, I, well, I meant like as the actual adventure from beginning to the end, not just like the source material. Well, I think Wizards. Oh yeah. Well, I well, out of all of us, Deuce, you run the Pathfinder stuff the most. Do you think the quality has improved since they broke away from Watsy? Uh, their writing is pretty good. Their formatting though is kind of weird. That's another thing I have problems with with a lot of book adventures. Is like you, no two are really alike. Some are written in a very linear fashion. Some you know like to interact with you know. Knows the fourth of Caledonia. Refer to section C. <laughs> it's like a choose your own adventure. Right. Those were awesome. Well, they've what started taking the fluff and putting it at the end. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of detached from the storyline, and it's hard to tell what pieces go together. 
See, I'd rather know the fluff by heart, and then you know that way, the, the, when you're running the game, the characters can move freely amongst the setting. I think that's a kind of an antiquated because game companies they want you to be interested in the crunch before the fluff, and that's why they do the separating. That's their business model, though. Yeah, they've figured out that we're suckers and we'll buy their editions every time, every five years when they put them out. I'm just as guilty as anybody. But the else thing of it is, they could make more money selling you an adventure every week than they could selling you a source book once every three I months. don't agree. I don't, I don't agree with that. Because, they could. Uh, I mean, the if they... Because an adventure is actually only geared towards one guy in a group of five. Whereas everybody's going to buy the crunch. Everybody's going to buy the source book. The, the source that's book. The if they put out too many, you're going to have... A, and and, and they don't care because no. they know no, you're going to... Well, they know the average gamer is going to go out and buy that stuff. We also got to keep in mind that it's like they're trying to attract more and more people, which means younger and younger people. Because we're all in our 30s. We've been been gaming since we were children. Right. Right. So it's like to get our kids, they want to put out a product that will appeal to them. Attention spans have been dwindling generationally. As uh, the generations change, I remember when when we were teenagers and – People were saying, "Oh my God, these these teenagers with their computers and and everything, you know, like they're you got if you talk to my grandmother about computers, you're, you might as well be talking to her in another language. But if as generations get you know farther along, they get more, more acclimated, sophistic- to, more, sophisticated, more sophisticated, right? Exactly. Well, it's going to be to the point where role players are they've got to compete with computer games, they got com- you know all this other stuff. So it's going to get to the point where." D&D or role-playing games are going to be completely interactive with technology yeah. or, or they're going to die. Yeah, you're going to be able to do – you're going to be able to have your group of five guys be all over the world. Right, Skyping right. D&D. Right. Wasn't, wasn't that the purpose of what Wizards tried to do a right. couple years ago? Yeah. yeah. And what it was failed. Gleemax. Gleemax. That's, that's the word. And Gleemax. it failed miserably. I kept wanting to say Weeblo. It was <laughs> – it was bad timing. I don't think the industry was quite ready for for that yet because I think most gamers are still of our pen and paper get together. It's an excuse to get together. Right. Generation. Right. right. Well, this is another thing. When we were kids, we would play pretend with your one buddy from up the street. Now, do kids even do that anymore? I don't, I don't have kids. My I mean, kids like, do. You know, you've got your, you know, your Game Boys and your, your, your PlayStation and your Xboxes. And- My kids do, but and I don't want to brag about what a great dad I am because I think I actually kind of suck, but... I would uh, <laughs> I've gone out in my backyard and I've tried to build the backyard that I wanted when I was a kid. Right. I've given my kids a place to play and to imagine. They, they go out and they, they have the war. It's always boys versus girls. All the kids in the neighborhood come to our yard and it's boys versus girls. And usually I got to go outside and break it up. So, <laughs> you know, they're out there swinging pipes and, <laughs> and two by fours. And I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa, calm but, down. So I think to Mark's point is it, that's becoming rarer and rarer all the time. First thing that comes to mind. When you were talking about that, is as the kids get older and games change, you know, they're going to be more interested in video games, things like that. Is LARP going to die? I don't think so. I know. Those, those kids have, are damaged in some way, I think. So well, <laughs> there's I, always going to be damaged people. I, I admire, <laughs> I, it, it, as far as our type of people goes, our you know, gamers in general, I admire LARPers for not being afraid to go out in public. Well, yeah. and, and do that. But it takes it. It, right. it really does. Because especially a, when you know you're going to be ridiculed. Oh yeah. Right. Well, it's like, you know. And I, and I hope they know. Nerd, a lifelong nerd. Ridicule has always been you know just another part of my day. 
<laughs> so, we, we have to bag, we have to bag on each other a right, little bit, right. right? And I hope they understand that. You know, Do you ever wonder, just kind of off topic for a second? Oh, we've been off topic for what, a while. What, LARP, <laughs> what do LARPers think of, let's say, norm gamers? That's a fair question. We should capture one. We do. Well, we need to interview one at Gen Con. Yes, we'll interview. What do you think about? They're probably just like, oh, you, you know, you just don't know. I bet most LARPers play pen and paper. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they probably got started that yeah. way. Hey, maybe yeah. it's an evolution. We haven't reached that that next stage. Oh, you're saying they're they're higher evolution on the evolutionary scale. Well, I'm sure they believe the they nerd are. evolutionary scale. You know, we still have interests in things like hockey. Right. <laughs> hockey. What is this? Why are they not Sports? wearing costumes? Deuce, Deuce wants to say something. Oh, is, what is the most popular uh, LARPing? system i think right now it's steampunk right well i think that, well, this was there's, no, there's no real game attached to it steampunk is definitely the most popular cosplay as See, as I, I, I still get the those vampire larpers are the ones that would always check wikipedia yeah wikipedia will square you away. i don't know man um so white wolf had that whole uh, mind's eye theater right. thing, like you know that was years ago i mean why i don't even know if they foster that anymore i, I well i, I don't know because it's like, again damaged people not larpers at all. That was a joke. There are damaged, truly damaged people out there that cannot separate their fantasy role play from what is actually happening in the world. Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about like that? Next thing you know, they're turning up to school with katanas. Are you talking about that classic Tom Hanks movie, Mazes and Monsters? Is that what no, you mean? I, think, I don't think no. I saw that movie. Really? I own it. Do you want to borrow it? Yes, I do. It's awesome. But, the topic has gone off the cliff. It has fallen. What? Where? Yes, we have completely gone off topic. But we're going to resurrect it. Let me see right. if I can clarify here. So you're saying... Newer gamers are more likely to play uh, pre-written adventures then because yeah. they lack creativity. But, but would they? There aren't well, any available for them unless it's, it's unless it's coming from Paizo or something. Wizards, like that. Wizards also, yeah, Wizards took back over Dungeon Magazine and all that stuff, so they still. But it's all stuff. online editions now, right? Yeah. Well, there's no. That's the thing. It's and not hard copies anymore. So are they publishing adventures? I mean, I've I've totally written Wizards oh, yeah. off. I, oh, yeah. I don't Wizards still has Dungeon Magazine, although yeah. online. Through, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, so what I'm saying is, even for an experienced gamer, like we just got into uh, the Dark Heresy game fairly recently. Right, right. Until you know the source material, you can't write your own material. So Yeah, because then you, you would have to be like world building anyway. Right. Yeah, I could see you what know, you're You could have a complete grasp of the rules, but until you know the setting, I don't think you could write your own adventures. I think there, there are people out there that probably could. And you know it depends on what you want to do. If you if but yeah. a uh, but a teenager, let's say, then who oh, picks no, up a no, box no. of Dungeons and Dragons. Most most it's too busy tweeting. <laughs> well, that's well, why I have think to have some pretty making sure everybody right, knows right, on Facebook right. what they bought at Hot Topic that day. That's not what I was too busy doing as a teenager. We didn't have Twitter. What? Well, no, I think that's why they packaged the original editions with, you talk with about the adventure. Off. <laughs> Correct. You know. That's you know it's to get you get you, to get the ball rolling right. Kind of this is an example of how it's done. Now go do your own. Most right. of the classic D and D modules were originally convention modules. You mean like the what do you mean? Like when we go to Gen Con, we play an adventure. Right. Those adventures were what eventually became Tomb of Horrors, White oh, Blue okay. Mountain. Things like that. Those were convention back in, Back in the old days when well, it, it was like, actually in Geneva, Wisconsin. Right. Okay. One session, beginning to end, pre-written adventures. So let me ask you real quick, Mike, and, and this is on topic. When we started playing in junior high, well, you were mostly running book adventures, correct? Correct. When did you make your first homemade, totally from scratch adventure? That's a very good question. You don't remember? He's going to have to dig in the archives I'm, I'm for trying that to, one. Ever since, when we started talking about this, I've been racking my brain trying to think of it, and I cannot for the life of me think of what that would be. Well, it would have to be Greyhawk. Maybe. It could could have been also Known World, Mistara setting. Oh, okay. 
That's right. Grand Duchy Caramicos, something because like that's that. what that's what we did play originally was Caramicos. We were well, talking about old school, right? Well, I, that's that's the reoccurring theme, and maybe that's because we're all getting older and we're starting to glorify the past. Heaven forbid, because that's one of my most hated things ever. Mm-hmm. What we don't are, you hate though? That list is brief, <laughs> very brief, brief. Yes, yeah. uh, but no. I, the list of things he doesn't hate. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm yes, getting confused. Exactly. Yes. I'm confused by my own language. Your preferred nomenclature. That uh, the the game has evolved over the years into something other than a role playing game. The adventures now are starting to reflect that. Maybe not the Paizo ones. I haven't read right, or been right. privy to any of those. Right. But like you say, it, it it is a hop from scenario to scenario. We had talked about attention spans. The, if you look, look at the old adventure, the uh, Salt Marsh adventure that Mike just ran, put it next to a modern adventure for the same game, there is no way in hell a teenager has the attention span to read all of that stuff. No. Yeah, oh, it's like reading a book, essentially. Exactly. You, and they always want you to read the adventure. Please read the adventure before you actually run it. And that's a lot of reading. Kids don't have that kind of attention span. Most kids don't, I should say. In the modern ones, they break it up with a lot of you know colorful pictures. Easy uh, to reference graphs. Easy to reference graphs. Even the, the stat blocks are in different colors, and yeah. you know, it breaks it up for you so you can tell at a glance what you're looking at. Whereas those old ones, you had to highlight. You know, it, it's, it's a lot easier for a modern person to run a book adventure than it was back then. Well, speaking as a, a, an older person... With a sh- short attention span and a horrible memory, I think the thing that killed some of these games for me is having to learn, especially when the new editions come out. You have to get those books out, and you have to learn the whole new rule set. Even though fourth edition, three point five, third edition, second edition, I mean they're all an evolution from one another, but it still feels like a chore to have to get that book out and read it and yeah. learn it. Well, I remember as a kid, I, I loved reading the player's handbook. Oh, I did too. That was one of my favorite things to do when I got my first AD and D player's handbook. I've re- I probably read that four or five times. But That's why you could do Thacko right now, but you couldn't explain to us Attacks of Opportunity. That's probably true. But well, there, aren't, there aren't any more Attacks of Opportunity. Right. But the second it, one thing about uh, children and their attention spans is like, I was in special ed in, in, in school when I was a kid because mm-hmm. really? they thought I had ADD. I didn't have ADD. I was just smarter than them. <laughs> and I didn't want to pay attention to their bullshit the second, third, fourth, fifth time around. And they teach you every year. However, I could sit down with things that I was interested in and be enraptured for hours upon hours. If it's something you're interested in, you're going to devote the time to right. it necessary to create a good product, whether whatever that may be. That's why Mike started going into Greyhawk. It's some, there's something in Greyhawk that he identifies with, and we're going to work through that. We're going to get through that. We're Eventually, through we're that. going to find out what that yes. nugget is. Yes. It's, that is the burning nugget. question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, I think we'll wrap it up there. I'd like to say that we've answered nothing, and we will continue to answer nothing. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You have been listening to Gamers Table, brought to you by Side Tangent Productions. Visit us at www.gamerstable.com. Products and intellectual property discussed during this podcast are the properties of their respective owners. This production is for entertainment purposes only. Any commercial broadcast is prohibited without the express consent of Scientific Productions.